Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, so now that you're here, what are you feeling? Tell me you're here now. Talk to me. Bro, um, dude, this has always been my dream to do exactly this, bro. We've talked about it for a long time, and finally we're here doing it, bro. So, I mean, I'm just grateful. Grateful, man, because uh, God's put me in so many amazing positions and he continues to do and open doors for me. And all I keep doing is knocking, bro. Like I've I, I, one of the things that you've said that we'll get into. Obviously, we haven't even really started. Yet, yeah, but, whatever you want. Go. But um, we're starting. One of, all right, we'll, we'll start. Let's get it going. Yeah. So one of the things that I've, I've heard you talk a lot about and it's like, yo, nobody ever gave me anything, bro. Like I went and I got it right because I it was funny. I was hearing the uh, holidays son talking and i could hear you in your voice you were like hey so like what are the struggles you've been through man like what and like you could tell he's a young kid bro so like he probably hadn't been through too many struggles right, yet right, you know right, what right, I'm right, saying? Right. and i could hear it in your voice and that's you're one of the only people that i've heard really talk about the pain bro the pain that you've been through and baseball was never a natural thing for me and like a lot of people are gonna hate hearing this because they're like, come on, bro. You've always been the man. Like, you've always been the man. No, no, no. I've always been a good person that respects people. But I wasn't always the man, mm -hmm. right? I had to work really, really hard at it. And I always thought that I was really natural at this. Having conversations with people, interacting with people. I just never did it. I did it on interviews because I was at UM. I even put actor in my bio, bro. Talk about wanting to be an actor. I always wanted to be an actor. I just put it on my bio just to see. Okay, I had the blue check no, and maybe, you yeah, know. Yeah, and he has a good voice. Yeah. You have a good voice. So You too, man. You guys got two good yeah. voices that, that comes like across no. clean, too. <laughs> but uh, all right, bro. I want to start by asking you this, Go. bro. I, I really want to start from the beginning. Go. Man, from the beginning when you were a kid. Like, Talk to me about growing up here in this city and what this city means to you and kind of your first experience as a kid really like starting to get your feet wet in this miami miami vibe okay i'll tell I'll, I'll tell you it, it's so crazy man so i when i started listening to then i get emotional when i think about this. when i started listening to gary v he said he goes man these kids because at the time it was everybody was a bandwagon with uh with the warriors right and he'd be like bro when i see these kids that are warrior fans Wearing a Steph Curry jersey, I live in New York and Chicago, whatever. So it's like you're bandwagging, right? And I go, dude, that's that's me. Growing up, I liked Miami a lot, but I remember cheering for Flor for some crazy reason for Florida State, like in football and stuff like that. When the Dolphins were here, I remember cheering for. I was a Buffalo fan just to fight. My dad was pure Miami, but just to mm -hmm. go against my dad. And I was, then I was a huge Jordan guy, you know, like. And, but I've never been like. A Miami guy, like, hey, Miami, Miami. I understood, like, what privilege that you guys have, you know, and I never did that. And I understand how important that is, but I never did anything. And I go to myself, I go, why do I, why do I have this anti-Miami thing? And I've always said this to myself, right? And then when I started doing this, I figured it out. I figured it out. I go, I know why I have this anti-Miami thing. It's because I got my ass kicked so much here in Miami, and I was losing every single day so much that i hated this place i didn't hate the people i just hated this place so anything that was miami 
reminds me of being a loser and getting abused and just just bad. So I never really enjoyed the pinta of what it's really like to be a, a Miami guy with La Teja in the 80s and be this and be that and shirt off and driving with music loud and what we're known for, that swag. And on top of that, it's what cost me my career because I wish growing up that I was cool like you guys because when you grow up in the 90s and remember, I'm 44 years old, when you grow up in the 90s and your dad's beating the shit out of you through a sport that you don't know why, like, like you're playing first base and you're scared of a ball and a ball hits you and then you're scared of a ball and your dad comes and punches you in the face, closed fist, as a man who's aggressive and real strong and known for his character, I'm like, oh my God. And then I'm watching the same guy beat the shit out of my mom and where most men go, you know what, fuck this dude, You know, I'm gonna fuck you up. I'm the reverse, I'm just like so happy he's not beating me up, look at that character. And that goes to show you what in an animalistic situation I grew up in. So I related all that to Miami. And I wished I was always cool like you guys. But I had all this talent and I had this pinta and I was this and that. But I never really fit in here. And it was part of my destiny because if I wouldn't have left, you mentioned being an actor. I left in 2005. I left in a 1996 Toyota Corolla. And I lived in a car in Los Angeles for six months. And I go, you know what? I'm going to go to Los Angeles and I'm going to act. And I was in a, a Wilhelmina, the modeling agency, got me here in Miami and I started doing casting calls and stuff like that. And my last game, so here's a baseball career for you. Biggest failure in, in high school. I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far, bro. Uh, I had all this hope. I had all this hype, whatever, nothing. Super slow. I started taking steroids probably 10th grade year. Took them completely wrong. Sure at a jack six-pack from here up. Nothing down. No legs. No nothing. <laughs> I had no power. I'm trying to hit like you guys trying to hit home runs. I'm a big guy that's a contact hitter. Go the other way. And I've always said this. I go, Christian Yelich, right? We knew him in Miami before he was the MVP, right? Mm -hmm. And we knew that guy raked. If I would have hit like Christian Yelich, I had a career. But I wanted to be Bryce Harper. I want to be Barry Bonds. I wanted to make up for my losing. Mm -hmm. I want to be like Deion Sanders. I want to pinta because I was losing so much that in my head I wanted to create that thing that wasn't existing there, you know? So, bro, I go to Los Angeles, and I live in a car for six months. And I had my SAG card already, and I had done a couple <laughs> things. And I got nominated. There's a, there's a movie here that I did called Faded, and the, the actor, Dominican dude, put me in it, and I got nominated for Best Actor in Los Angeles. And a little film festival there. You know what? At Santa Monica Film Festival, I'm going to Los Angeles. It's going to change my whole life. Bro, and I sat there, and I lived in a car for six months. I thought, this is my honest truth, I thought that I was going to go to Los Angeles, I was going to get chicks, and I go, oh, I'm going to stay with these white girls here, boom, boom, boom. They're going to take care of me. This is going to be perfect, bro. I'm going to figure my way out, whatever. Brother, I had all my belongings in my car. I would sleep in the Hollywood Hills. I realized why people go crazy because there was no internet. I couldn't go on YouTube and motivate myself, listen to podcasts, do a podcast. <laughs> there was no smartphone. Yeah, yeah, you know, I couldn't document like, hey, I'm out here in the hills, right? <laughs> bro, I did not leave my car. I would just go to Equinox and Sunset Tanning. There's a show called Sunset Tanning mm -hmm. that was right there and I would tan. I looked like a million bucks, but I would sleep <laughs> in my car, bro. And then to eat, 
I would get food at the hotels, like in the morning that you have holiday. Yeah, have breakfast, cereal, breakfast. I would do that, and that's it. And I had nobody to talk to because nobody was doing. Work. At the beginning, I was always isolated from everybody I knew because who did that? Nobody. I've never heard of that here in Miami. Here in Miami, ever, no ever. one's ever oh, done I'm that. I'm going to LA. I'm, I'm going to go to Hollywood. LA to live in a car, that's like whatever. A movie, that's movie. That's, that's, that's movie. Like nobody stuff. did that's that, it. so I couldn't be like, "Hey guys, bro, so hey, man, oh, hey, look at heck." So that started to happen, bro. And the crazy thing was, they Wilhelmina in Los Angeles had a. They gave me a sheet, and there was this acting coach, and they go, "You know what? Because you go on auditions, you should talk to this coach." And I came in. And the guy's name was Gary Austin. I'll never forget this. And under it, it said, when Helen Hunt won her Academy Award for As Good As It Gets, you know, with movie with Jack Nicholson? Mm -hmm. Yep. She thanked her dad, another person, and she thanked Gary Austin. I'm like, oh, this guy's a beast. The okay. Guy. The man. So I paid two lessons, two classes in advance with her, and I always knew that once I get in front of people, my life would change. Dude, first class that I go to this guy's class, I'll never forget, it's in North Hollywood. I get off of my car, boom, I, I get there. And I see the guy, and he's talking there, and he's wearing a retro Houston Astros jacket. I go, I got this guy. I got him. And then he does a baseball analogy on top of that. And the class is like, you see? Cause, and I raise my go, professor, you're absolutely right. Game over, bro. I live with this guy and his wife and his four snow dogs in the most dirtiest house <laughs> in North Hollywood. Disgusting. You know those dogs that the hairs are everywhere? Mm -hmm. Dude, disgusting. And I thought I was looking at Four Seasons, bro, because I had my car, living in a car was so hard because you're not, especially at Toyota Corolla, you're not comfortable. You don't know what's happening. You can't sleep. You learn the importance of sleep. And I told him for the first month, I go, let me at least sleep in your driveway. Just give me that. I don't want to yeah. go inside the house yet because I don't want to get lazy. I don't want to get sloppy. Let me mm -hmm. sleep in your high, in your driveway. And I did that, man. And it changed my life completely because... I learned then, I met so many people, but everybody that I've looked up to or people told me, I know this happened to you guys, but everybody that, that I've looked up to, I've met in my life at some point. Wow. And growing up, when I was young and I had hair, everybody <laughs> compared me to Manolo from Scarface. Like everybody like, bro, mm -hmm. you have this thing of Manolo from Scarface, Manolo from Scarface, whatever. And that same director was in a movie with Stephen Bauer. And we were in Los Angeles, and we were in a club, and Steven was there. And we become friends, and me and Steven become boys like this, that the guy then lived with me at the time in an air mattress in my studio in Studio City. Mira eso, and we would talk about, like, I literally, because I used to, in high school, I used to fuck around and be like, you know, a line of blue jeans with chicks in the girls' asses. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, who do I trust? <laughs> me, I, oh, I would quote Scarf at the time. Then I found myself quoting Scarface with him as we would get rid because the guy would go out all the time, bro. This is a time in his life. This guy's <laughs> a character. Bro, and my first time in the Playboy Mansion was with him. No. For Halloween. It was a Halloween oh, thing, and me and him were, it's just, so the moral of all this is, bro, baseball to me, Miami and everything, is a relationship play. Relationships. That's all I care about, man. And some relationships are awesome because you guys went to war together, so you mm. got it. Other relationships are we just meet, but it's like, bro, I got you, whatever I can do. And I live for that because growing up, I felt, and maybe you guys saw this, when you're very good and you're young, 
you almost feel like other kids and their parents use you. They're like, oye, pega solo a ellos to see if something rubs off, you know? So every time you go to, like, to a party or somebody's house, even though your house is not the cool house, whatever, your goodness on the field gives you power, right? So I never really had, like, a ton of friends, even though I knew a lot of people, because my dad was the kind of guy that you came over to the house one time, be like, oh, yo, como estamos, hey, treat you the best. Don't come a second time. You better be at least six months to a year. Don't come again because he'll kick you out. You know, because I literally trained my ass off 24-7, bro. Give me, give me, as a kid, I want, like, what was your regimen? Like, talk to me about at what age did that, like, start where baseball was everything? When I was three years old to, at the end, to my end at FIU, baseball was everything. That dude trained me like a boxer. It was mm -hmm. Cuban style. Yeah. So he trained me literally long distance. I had an eight pack. I would, and I'm a Tamiami guy, so I play baseball in Tamiami. Mm -hmm. I'd run the four fields. I'd wheelbarrow. He'd grab me by the Damn. legs, the big four fields. Mm -hmm. On a Sunday, wheelbarrow there, me and him alone in the heat. He hit his control wasn't that good. So he'd hit <laughs> me a lot of times, right? Bro. And then he was the guy, like, if I got scared, he would throw it at my head. On purpose. On purpose. And I would duck to pick up on people. Like, oh, your dad three headed. And my dad was real famous for that. Now, we won three titles, yes. When I was a seventh grade, I threw 110 innings. Completely blew on my elbow. I remember telling my dad, I hope papi, el brazo me está matando. And imagine, in the air, he's like, oh, eso cosa maricón. Yeah. Just like that, bro, right? And he goes, tu ahí, tu tira, cojone. And the adrenaline and the thing would numb my arm and I would and I would be able to like throw. It's almost like if I got a cortisone shot. Yeah. I would throw, throw, throw. We won the title. We won everything cool. But it's what I tell parents now, man. I go, listen, you can't hack this thing because everybody wants to be where you guys were. Everybody wants to pay for Miami and this and that. But I started to notice, and this is what we talked about, Mm -hmm. that everybody that I knew that played in these schools were miserable human beings, <laughs> right? And there weren't these, uh, and I, when I got, when I saw them after, they weren't really happy. They were like this. They almost lived like with a chip on their shoulder. It was like, oh, and it's because the hype around them didn't prepare them, which is what I told you on the call. Mm -hmm. They don't prepare dudes that have testosterone that have been playing the sport all their life to come back to civilization and be a happy person. You see it with athletes. You see it with uh, military people, which is even worse because those guys were really fucked up. Right? Oh, yeah. So what happens is you become a coach. You're a miserable person, and you take it out on the kids that don't know any better. So one of the things that I think we were blessed with was to be able to be surrounded by such humble kids, bro. Like we're, when we were at Miami, especially, right, we were all kids from here and kind of almost had a similar path, like a lot of people yeah. do. But when we got there, it was like something that, like we, we all knew each other, but we didn't, right? Like, you know, I knew him because that I played, played with him, against him and you yeah, saw him. Like, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, bro, there was like this magic right. that just happened when we all came together. Right. From the beginning, bro, it was crazy. So I almost, I don't know, bro, I make that like an outlier. Like we lived a dream those years there because we didn't have those like, outliers of like oh that guy's cocky that maybe it's a testament to the older guys and stuff like that like the guys like ricky that were there before us but we were very lucky right so i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that we had that because we didn't and right. whoever did 
it was handled like men handle things, right? Like, so it was, it was, it was pretty simple, right? Now, you, I think that you've talked to so many parents now after going through the experience that you did. What is it that they're doing wrong? Like, what is it right now that parents are doing wrong, man? Well, so this is what happened. So when we played, and this was to you guys, there was a first place, second place, and third place. Mm -hmm. You didn't make that. You're not going to the trophy ceremony. You're done. Season's over. See you later, right? Manny Crespo, which is interesting, his dad started the first traveling team, like the first gang. Or if you want to put your phone there, you can too. First gangster travel. So he created the first travel team here in Miami where he picked up a bunch of gangster dudes, the best players, and they started to play players. So what happens now is before the system would stop you. Like, ah, I'm not good enough. Okay. But now... You're like, oh, you're not going to play my kid? Watch this. I'm going to start my own team. So true, bro. Right? So true, I'm going to start my own team, and I'll play my own guys, and I'll fix it to play against. I'm not going to play against you guys. These guys are too good. I'm going to play against other B guys, which to me is okay. Here's the problem. Just like I tell people, because a lot of people come at me like, Coach, are you against celebrating the sword, tirando el bate, pinta, all that stuff? I go, absolutely not. But here's the situation, right? If you're going to be bald, it's bald again, and have <laughs> tattoos like I do and a beard and the cops stop you, remember that 90% of criminals look like you. So you have to know the responsibility of that. So I talk to parents, then I tell their kids, if your kid's going to have long hair, lines in your hair, whatever it is, now there's a responsibility behind that because, yes, Fernando Tatis Jr. can rock dreads, this, that. But the dude's making $30 million. He's one of the best, the face of the league, the beard, the painting. He could have tattoos. He could have whatever. But now there's always a consequence for what you do. So parents, the problem is that it's this. Parents who have no money invest everything in the kid's sport in the hope. Parents who have a lot of money baby and spoil their kids in the hope that something comes out. So nobody's winning, right? And then the minute that a parent, I said this before in a, in a recording here that I was doing, I'm a parent, I don't know anything about golf. You better believe I'm going to ask 20 people as nice as I can, dude, my son is doing this, is this normal? I don't know, whatever, whatever right? For some fucking reason in baseball, parent plays one year of 7U and the guy knows everything. <laughs> Every oil, everything, bro. And now he's giving you things, and then he's he, and then he's a slash general manager. He starts his own team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. starts early. So there's no loyalty, right? So whoever it is, oh, that guy's playing too much. That guy's not playing too much. This, this is that. And the parents are ruining that because as your parents, right? Your dad play baseball? No. <laughs> no. Your dad play baseball? Yeah. Where? In DR. In DR, right? Yeah. Completely different than here in Miami. So I was in the DR with the Mets, so I saw it. I'm sorry, Dad. He did play a little bit, yeah, but but not, little, but not like any. But not like, not like yeah, yeah. My like, bad, bro. Because he get mad. No, 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 my bad. Pause, I didn't no, no. But you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. he didn't play like yeah. like we did. Or my dad like didn't. That. My dad yeah. never put on a uniform, so he mm -hmm. learned it on TV. Mm -hmm. Knew a lot of stuff, but you never learned it. It's like me. I'm not gonna talk about. I can't about playing for UM. I can talk about playing against UM one time, right? And I can talk about 
dreaming of that, of dreaming of wearing. Now it's Adidas, but that Nike uniform, Man. we saw that on Sunshine Network. When we saw it on Sunshine Network, I would sit there and go, oh, my God. Oh my God! It's a dream. People don't even understand. It's like something you can't even see. It's like wow, you know. And to have that so close by, and you grew up going there, whatever. And, and you asked me about how how all this with parents is. So a parent will go there and see that, get emotional, get excited. But you know what? My kid's gonna do it. Buy a four hundred dollar bat. Way too early. Buy a three hundred dollar glove. Way too early. So now there's expectations on the toughest thing to do in this world because it looks so easy because I see you guys do it. My son should do it. And we're not all baseball players. We're not all supposed to be baseball players. That's why I tell people when I was giving lessons, I was the most expensive trainer in Miami by far. At the end right now, $500 an hour and don't even talk to me. Some people would have to be twice a week and don't play, right? After a while, I would tell parents because parents would throw it in my face. They'd be like, no, no, see, this is so expensive, Hector, and the kid's not hitting. I go, eliminate me. I go, eliminate me. But don't put pressure on this poor kid. Not to hit a baseball. Put pressure on him, on effort and attitude, to be a good dude, to respect his teammates, respect the umpire, to hustle, but not on hitting a baseball. Because we're not all meant to hit. The hardest thing to do is to hit a baseball. And there's no empathy for us. There's no empathy for us. So it's so it's the investment side you're saying. It's the that. everything side. And then you make a mistake to, oh, wait, you guys are traveling? Where are you guys traveling to? You went to Orlando? I'm going to go to Orlando. We got to go to Orlando. And I'm like, in what fucking mind when you're in Miami? I had this call. I get about 1,000 DMs a week. I had this call with a tremendous family in San Antonio. I go, why are you traveling four hours on a 12U thing, on a 12U thing to go play in Houston? To do what? Money, it's expensive. But let's put money aside. The time. The pressure it puts. Because he's not grateful. I go, what 12-year-old understands? <laughs> what 12-year-old understands the family pressure of getting everybody in a car, riding over there, booking a hotel, getting food over there, getting the kid ready, dealing with the other sibling? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. You know, you know how many divorces, how many... Because of youth sports happen, you have no idea. Because you guys ate, you're not in that. Now you, you you go to a field and you should be like, holy shit, this is crazy. Because people think they can hack this. And you can't, bro. I just saw this dude who did it great, bro. Like a million of you interview uh, the Max Clark kid who has a lot of hype. Mm -hmm. has a whole, he has a whole package with her. Is that the little lefty? The, That's the, the little, yeah, little lefty, right? Yeah. Six foot one, mm -hmm. throwing 99 miles per hour, running like a 6260. Well, he's not little anymore. Hitting 400 foot bombs. Dang. Th that's so rare. But the kid talks about in the interview. That's why I, I, I texted. I, I think it's Danny. The guy's name. I said, dude, this, this was amazing. The kid shows. He's talking about power cleans. That's what he's doing. Whatever. So when, when we played, maybe you guys still, there wasn't a trainer you can go to to specify cleans and this <laughs> and that. Now there is. This dude, this kid is so smart. He's done at 11. The kids in Indiana is done at 11. He's hustling. How much shit do we waste our senior year stuck till 2.30, Poguto, <laughs> for no reason, right? Imagine you're done at it. So he works out in the morning, plyos, fast twitch, I don't know what. Crazy <laughs> stuff. He has four hitting coaches, four hitting coaches that are all probably studs, right? His parents are older, so they're not bothering him. It's chill. And that's what I noticed, man. When I interviewed, so I interviewed uh, the best pitcher, in the draft year, Toliga, mm -hmm. Tommy John, he went nine, I think ninth overall or something, was Dylan Lesko. A Vanderbilt commit, 
a kid out of Buford, Georgia. Dad coincidentally played baseball at Barry, but he's wow. from Georgia, oh. right? Look at that. The guy is 97, 98, gangster. He was the best pitcher. Vanderbilt commit. Gets Tommy John, drops to number nine. Was, I think he would have gone two or three. Tough, bro. Right? Tough, tough, tough. No, tough. Tough, tough, tough. Number nine overall. Okay. Yeah, so bad. <laughs> to the Padres, to San Diego, right? So I go to the kid. I go, dude, did your dad ever tell you? He's like, no, man. So what's happening is, here's the funny part, and I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. The best players, it's all good. The only problem the best players probably have is burnout because they're so good that everybody asks them, whatever. That's it. The players that suck, the parents know. So they're like, bro, please. Oh, you put on the uniform, congratulations, bro. Go have a good day. We'll yeah, go to McDonald's yeah, whatever, after. Fine. Nobody cares. The problem is the middle of the pack, guys. Guys that are there that, bro, if it's, you're, you're this close to jumping over here. And those are the ones that the parents are destroying the most. Hmm. Instead of encouraging the most. That's why when I see you, I go, oh, this, guy, this, this guy's got the gift. How can I help this guy? Let me reach out to him. Hey, bro, you see how you did that? Awesome. You got to change this, this, and that. Keep going with that. This is how I get guests. This is how I do this. What else can I help you with? Cool, whatever. Let's go. That's it. Yeah. Nobody does that. Why? Because I don't. They don't want you to win. Yeah, bro, that's crazy. I don't know how how your dad was, bro. But my dad, bro, by no means was my dad easy at all. Like he was tough, bro. Tough, tough, tough. But you know what? One thing that my dad did that really and and again we did go through ups and downs in relationships, and now we're best friends. Like. We did go through a lot of ups and downs, but the biggest thing that he kept consistent his entire life with me was being able to tell me, like, you're going to kill this guy. Like, it was us as me and my dad against whoever was coming to play. Bro, us. how priceless and, is that? And he'll go like, even though he'll rip me after the game and say, bro, you suck. That was terrible. Let's go to the cage and fix it. Right. He, he used to hate when people would be like, why are they making this kid run forever? He missed a fastball. Go hit a fastball. Go hit the damn fastball yeah, so you can yeah, hit yeah. it. You don't need to run. Like he goes, you don't need to run. Yeah. You ran fouling the first base when you swung yeah. and missed See, and the ball hit the backstop. But, but that's awesome. That's what I tell parents. I go, listen, how awesome is that? It's us versus them. Yeah. Me was me against the world slash all my dad. Yeah, no, no, no. So no, it wasn't bro. fun. Yeah, no. And, and, and again, bro, I had times that weren't fun, but it was more of a, yo, you're going to become a man after this. And he would tell me almost like in third person, like it's a guy ripping me. And then he'd like take a break and go, hey, by the way, bro, like you better kill this guy. Yeah. You got to kill him. He's coming for you. He's going to take all your dinner. He's going to take everything and anything that you have. You will not let him. You better bring his head home for dinner. And I was like, I'm going to do it. Let's get it. Dude, I remember seeing a video of you guys like at a gym or something. I remember seeing them. Is that correct? Or like at a boxing gym or something like that? Yeah, probably. I remember seeing that. I was yeah. like, at this guy. I, I like I told him I had never I had seen things of you, but I didn't mm -hmm. know you. But I and I and I saw passion. But uh, coincidentally, I saw you that day. Say hi to Mike. I go, yeah. this guy's a good guy. Yeah, man. That's I think that's one of the things that's consistent with all the guys that we surround ourselves with. Like our circle, even though we have different, you know, circles mm -hmm. too. But the main circle, we're all like man genuinely good people man like and there's people that grew up with no money grew up with a whole lot of money i mean and there's people that grew up with a whole 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 lot of money, yeah, type yeah, of money. Yeah. and and bro everybody's the same bro the same and that's what we've been able to reconnect now doing these podcasts we see like man, man yeah we all had different rides it, but it, it was, was almost like 
you walked in that locker room, as soon as you crossed the line, it was like everyone's the same. The same, bro. Yeah, everyone's the same. The well, same. baseball always had that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And all, so I, I ended up, so when I was in Beverly Hills, I ended up working with celebrity yeah. kids. So I yeah, talk to me about that, bro. I want to know how so, like how did that how did that even happen, bro? Okay, so I start look, look at this, bro. I start and I'm there in Los Angeles, and I I start doing kids' birthday parties. Doing what at their birthday party? So I found that I was good with kids. So a guy comes that he had a, has a company called Amazing Parties, and my acting coach Gary Austin was training the guy's brother that was a, he was a regular actor. The kid was a re regular actor, and I come. And the guy goes, listen, dude, you're great at improvising. You played sports. You could get a job here, and you could work with kids. So I would come, dress sporty. I'd have a, a sack of this of stuff. So we'd play Dr. Dodgeball. We'd put a line there. We'd play Dr. Dodgeball. We'd play uh, water, uh, catching water balloons. For, like we, you create, You're like the big kid at the party. You would create uh -huh. things, right? And I noticed I was in very expensive homes. I was like, fuck, this is awesome. I'm here. I'm here for an hour. I will get paid 75 bucks plus tip. My parents would always tip me. Uh, there's nothing better than being Cuban, Caribbean, Dominican, and being away from Miami. Oh, yeah. The, oh, it's like your value goes through the roof. Free you money, know? bro. It's free, free money. everything. <laughs> like, they see us, and it's like, what the fuck is this? Right? Unfortunately, because usually in California, so I'm like, so they don't see guys like us. Mm -hmm. Bro, and the moms are going crazy tipping me, and it's like, I'm, and if it's a pool party. Oh, my God, this is amazing. So I notice, I go, this is awesome. And one time, this is a great story. One time I'm doing kids' birthday parties, and I'm there to act. And I notice kids are, the parents are working. This is an Encino are wearing TV show hats, Law & Order, uh, CSI. I go, somebody here has to be in the business because who the fuck's going to wear a hat of that, right? So I get there, and I go to the owner of the house, and I talk to him. I go, dude, let me ask you a question. Who's your kid? Because they were all dressed, and this is the man upstairs. They're mm -hmm. all dressed in baseball. They, <sighs> and I remember I ran away from baseball my whole life, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what the fuck? I go, and the guy goes, yeah, man, uh, uh, this is my son, Jesse. I'm a I'm a writer. I was like, oh, awesome, man. This is your son. I go, dude, let me and I, let me see him after. And I would always I've always done this my whole life. I go after I'm done with the party. Let me see him after. Let me let me throw him a couple balls. Let me work with him a little bit. And I saw the kid. The kid was six years old. And I saw him. I go, dude. I would pivot. He goes, man. Do you do lessons? I go. I go, yeah, bro. I've done lessons. I've done lessons here in Miami. I go, don't worry. I'll come here and work with him. Whatever. So this guy was the co-creator and writer for a show called King of Queens. Okay. Wow. So I'm there. And 9 o'clock on a Saturday, I go to the kids' game there in Encino, and I'm there just chilling. It's me, the wife, the kids, whatever, and I'm watching them, and I'm, and I'm doing what, how, this is how I've always done it. Always ground level, always long term. I've, I've, the times that I've, I'll tell you the time that I cut the line, and I shouldn't have because I got lazy on the process. But my whole thing is 9 o'clock, I get there early, I'm the only guy there, whatever. So I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the kid and stuff, and his wife goes, she goes, David, you should, you should help actor out with, with acting. You know, and I was like, oh, yeah. There it is. There's there a load up. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. Bro, and it was the last season of King of Queens. King of Queens was around for eight years. And he calls me. We're at his house one day, and he pays me, and he goes, dude, let me ask you a question. If I get you on the show, can, can we work out a barter system or something if I get you on the show? I go, David, let me tell you something, bro. If you put me on King of Queens. <laughs> More than that, bro. I go, listen, if you put me on King of Queens, I'll, pay you. I'll give you free lessons to your kid for life. <laughs> As long as I'm here for life, right? Now, here's the moral of the story. So the guy calls me 
he calls me. I train the kid. He goes to pay me. I go, no, 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 don't worry about it. We made an agreement. And he goes like this to me. He goes, dude, let me tell you something. This is the last season. Kevin James, Egodito, yeah. the main guy, yeah. who became an executive producer. Because that's how it works. When you're an actor, first, then gotcha. you get power, you become an executive producer. And yeah, he goes, all the small parts, he's taking it for his friends. Ah. So the little roles that I can give you is one line or two line or whatever. I'm not going to be able to do it. And like, and I don't know why, but I, I told him like this. I go, David, I'm going to tell you something, man. I've been living in a car for six months, bro. I haven't talked to too many people out here. The fact that you're even willing to help me, bro, it means the world to me, man. I don't have, listen to this, I don't have any friends here. So if you can just be a friend to me, I'll be so grateful. And I'll train your son for free forever. I promise you that. I lied to you not. At 10 o'clock the following day, I got a call from Fox Studios. Hey, Hector, what's up? Yeah, we, uh, you ready? So uh, you're going to be, I swear to God, you're going to be here Friday, 9 o'clock, and we're going to do rehearsals, and we're going to shoot Saturday here at uh, Fox Sony Studios in uh, Culver City. So I go to Sony Studios in Culver City, I swear to God. So how it works when you're an actor is the reason why everybody wants to act, other than the obvious, is that the money is insane. So I said one line, bacon wrap scallop. That's all I said, right? So I get there. You got your own dressing room. You got your own setup, whatever. I sit there. It was in front of a live show still. So it's mm-hmm. a comedy. So it's in front of a live show and you're watching him shoot. My boy's there, whatever. I'm sitting there. So next to me is Jackie Sandler. Jackie Sandler is Adam Sandler's wife. Adam Sandler and Kevin James just did Chuck and Larry were their best Hilarious, friends, whatever. Bro, yeah. That movie, yeah. right? So as a token of his thing, he goes, dude, and maybe she wanted to act that she's from Coral Springs, Florida. Wow, okay. He put her on the thing. I'll never forget me being by myself in the dressing room here just waiting and hearing Adam talk to her, like pumping her up and going, what a cool dude, this guy. He was telling her, like, listen, babe, don't worry. I was nervous when I started doing Saturday Night Live. He was pumping her up. And my scene was... So the episode was Kevin James' character decides he sees how meat is done, so he decides to become or mm-hmm. organic uh, vegetarian. <laughs> vegetarian. So they're at a, like a like a party, and the boss's, which is his uh, wife's boss's wife, is Adam Sandler's wife, and they're at the party there, and I come with tremenda moto. I look like a puma. <laughs> <laughs> I had this hair. I'll oh, show you the headshot. I had this hair <laughs> puffy like this, whatever. And I come in and I go bacon wrap scallop, boom and there. So we rehearsed that one day. I did that at once. It was perfect. You got paid seven hundred thirty-four dollars that one day, and then the following day you get paid seven hundred thirty-four dollars, and you get paid royalties when it airs. So the residuals is where it you crush, bro, because that stays going on forever, forever. And you're part of a union, and the SAG union is very powerful. Oh. Yeah, it's awesome, dude. So, are you still a part of that? Yeah, yeah. But the Damn, but, but the thing is this: it's so intoxicating that that was year one of me being there. I could count I, how many times I recorded a show or whatever, and I have fingers left over with one hand. Meaning, you don't get to do that often. So now you move there, you change your whole life for that. You get a taste of that. And you never get to do it again. You just keep auditioning and like whatever. Oh, because man. the internet didn't exist. 
That's why this is the best thing in yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. oh, wait a minute. You saw me out? Perfect. Hey, bro, get there. We're going to talk a show about now about what the fuck sellouts are. Blah, 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 blah. And you can literally create content. There was no content to create, so you were stuck in the system. That's why Joe Rogan is so important. Because Dang, he bro. comes from and, and goes, you know what? He comes from and goes, fuck the system. I'm going to move to Austin, Texas. I'm going to become independent. I'm going to help everybody that's a good dude. And I'm going to change the way comedians think. Which comedians back then were like, fuck this. We all want the Tonight Show. We all want to get a sitcom. Mm -hmm. Like George Lopez, who's been on my show. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had him on. Uh, like Seinfeld. Like that was the goal. Like Roseanne. Yeah. Everybody wanted to do that. So it was... Fuck these guys. Me, 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 me. And Joe said, we don't need that anymore. We'll do podcasts. We'll have each other on. We'll talk about life. We'll promote our comedy at the end and watch what happens. Bro, there's a guy now. Uh, Vaughn. Is it Vaughn? A guy from... Uh, yeah, so Theo Vaughn. Theo Vaughn, bro. Who's, a, who's a, a G, right? All these people who's awesome, but their exposure to the real world is Joe Rogan. But, but bro, the, go... You could Google how many actual stand-ups Theo Vaughn has. I, I swear to you, it's like three. Two or three, probably. His podcast is unbelievable. Yeah. But he started from getting onto Rogan yeah. and continuing to keep that path and tra trajectory going. Yeah. Right? Which is unbelievable, bro. Like, it's changed the game. It's completely changed the game. Bro, talk to me about now moving to Vegas. Is that where you went after? LA? Yeah, bro. Oh, this is a great story. And, I, so. and, 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 and what inspired So I'm driving around Kevin Connolly. E from Entourage. Mm -hmm. You ever watch Entourage? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. watching. I'm driving around Kevin, and I've never. Here's a funny story. I've never. Drank Wait, you're driving him because I'm like his designated driver because I never drank or done drugs in my life. Nice. Okay. Nothing against people that do, but uh, so I've, I'm always sober. I've been sober my whole life. So I was driving him around Hollywood, and bro, one of the best parties we went to. Like with him is the first time I saw because I always thought this is how 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 out of it I was. I always thought. That the stars, like guys like Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, whatever, mm -hmm. like those were the guys yeah. that got all the girls. Bro, this guy, <laughs> my, my boy has to be like five foot six, if anything, five foot six. We were on everywhere at Teddy's at the Roosevelt Hotel, and this guy's running away from like tens, bro. He's like hiding. He's like, hey, Hector, let's go over here. I'm like, what the fuck is this, bro? Like, this is crazy. Like, he's dodging women, beautiful house, beautiful thing. And then I'm hanging out. Here's a good story. Here's a good story for <laughs> that. Go, go. Bro, so we're at my boy Justin Murdoch's house. Justin Murdoch uh, owns, uh, his his dad owns Dole, the pineapple company. Uh, they used to own the island of Lanai in, ha in Hawaii. This dude would drive around in a matte black McLaren with the doors go up, and he had the first Lamborghini truck, like a Lamborghini truck Dang. before these ones, like the Urus or anything yeah. before that. And he has a Halloween party. And I'm here, and I'm about to get into to the party because I had a, one of my boys was connected with them, so we're about to get in. And behind me is this actor, right? And before he goes in, and I see this guy all the time, and I've been to his house a couple of times, whatever. Mm -hmm. He puts on a, a gorilla, like monkey face, right? <laughs> Regular dude, but he would go up to, and remember, everybody's at this party from Slash, Chris Tucker, Paris Hilton, uh, Kim Kardashian, everybody, bro. And he would come up to all the girls and go, <gasps> like, like scare them. Like, hey, get out of here. And all the girls would be like, her. And then at some point, he takes off the mask, and everybody's like, oh, and it was Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow. <laughs> he would, there was a little Comiendo fire pit. Comiendo medio. He would go in front of the pit and come back in front of the pit, man. And, 
you saw that and you're like, what the fuck am I doing, bro? This is a guy who I used to take the yellow bus. Okay, listen to me. And I went to Braddock. I used to take the yellow bus. Senior year, bro. My mom would drop me off if I got lucky in a 1985 Scarface Cadillac Fleetwood, bro. Sky blue. Okay? Zero street cred. Dude getting dropped off by his mom. And I'm living this world now. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, dude. A great story is I thought that everybody had it better than me. I, I looked at everybody and I, ne I was never, for some crazy reason, I was never envious of people. I was just always like, man, I always wanted other people to win. I was like, dude, I, I remember being, a, you used to have a, El Eladero, the ice cream thing. Yeah, of course. And man. I never got anything. Like, I would go to a bat, like, my dad was always, you eating at home. You don't even ask for anything. Yeah. It's not happening. We're not getting a Gatorade. We're not getting anything fun. <laughs> we won't ask for a blow pop. Nothing. That's it was the, all military style. Three, yeah. Like, <laughs> the open three. Not, like, like, like I, remember, I remember in Tamiami Park, I used to, sometimes, I used to go through garbage cans and people have leftover pizza because the pizza was the best, bro. <laughs> the best. That, that 80s pizza was like, and I used to eat, because my dad didn't believe in that. It was everything we're eating at home, we're eating at home, we're at home. And bro, when I sat there, and I saw my life where it was going. And I remember E, which is Kevin, telling me, dude, you know what? You do really good in Vegas. He would tell me, because the way you are and the way you don't drink, you, don't do, you do really well in Vegas. And then I had a contact there that I started doing a little promoting and stuff. And I go, I'm going to go to Vegas, bro. I go, I, I go, my story when I'm older, I'm going to be able to say I went Cuba, Spain for a little bit, Miami. Los Angeles, Las Vegas, dude. So I came and I was giving baseball lessons to my boy Steve Dunn, Stevie Dunn's uh, his son who owns Munchkin, the baby product company. And he had dudes a gangster, like the best man. One of the it's like a Gerber company, the best. He, this is me from living in my car. He had the James Cagney estate. Just huge estate in Beverly Hills. And he should train his son on top. <laughs> the special thing with like me and the deer and like this like heaven on like a, like, no, a no, like, no, no, like, like Olympus, bro. <laughs> on like a $15 million house. And I'm up there again, kid that took the yellow bus and stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God. And these kids don't know what they have because they've had it their whole life. Yeah. So I'm there because I'm able to bridge the gap and tell the kid, listen, bro. Stop fucking around, bro. This is what we're going to do or we're not going to do it, but I'm not going to kiss your ass because everybody's just kissing their ass. And for some reason, they would listen to me, so I, I got the kid to do it. So he gives me a G-Wagon. So I get a G-Wagon, right? But it was a 2002, but he fixed it. The guy's the best. Put a system on it for me, whatever, because I had helped his kids so much. Wow. Bro. So I take that to Vegas along with, I was part, if you Google me, I've never talked about this yet, like on camera and stuff, whatever, but if you Google me, there's a certain situation I had that... That I dealt with, that that's where I skipped the line, and I and and I and I messed up, and that part was mine, but I made some money off that, and I took that money that I saved from that scandal, and I went to Vegas, and I stayed at what's now the it was a Mandarin Oriental at the time, now it's a Waldorf Astoria at the Ari Hotel, and I put an air mattress down on the floor, I went to Walmart, I got. This is the best thing in the world, dude. I got a 20-inch little flat-screen TV. I got a DVD player. I put Scarface, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Godfather Part 1, and I think like Lord of the Rings or something. I don't know if it was that. And I go, okay, so when I bring chicks home, 
They're not going to think I'm some crazy creep, whatever. But all I'm going to do is I'm going to become an assassin. And I was hooking up with this girl before this beautiful chick, this beautiful white girl here in Los Angeles. And I remember one time I was going to the bathroom and I looked and she had a book of Cuba, of Castro of Cuba, right? Which fucking sucks. But I'm a guy that I try to find the positive and everything, right? So I start going through the book and it shows like Castro with Che Guevara and all that bullshit. But I'm watching Castro play golf with army fatigues on. And I thought to myself, why is this guy playing golf with army fatigues on? And he was one of the first guys that they criticized because he would go to the United Nations with fatigue uniform and you, they didn't allow that. But he did it, you know? And I was like, why is he doing that? I go, because he indirectly wants to let everybody know that I'll take you to war at any time. They were playing golf here. Oh, I'm, not I'm, already in a, I'm already dressed. I'm ready. It'll be like if we w walked around with cleats and shoes ready to go. Oh, there's a game? Just Let's play. go. Oh, I take out my batting Oh, wait a minute. Here we go. Batting glove. Here we go. Come on. Right? So I go, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. But I didn't get it yet. And I was having dinner with, uh, I had worked with Brett Ratner's little brother. Brett Ratner who directed Rush Hour 1, 2, 3, wow. all this thing, whatever. So I was training his little brother. And he... He set me, his mom, who's super cool, sets me up with this guy who lives in Vegas already. And I showed up, and by that time, I had, guys, I'm telling you, I probably had like 5% body fat. I was jacked, bro, like shredded, shredded, veins in my stomach, whatever. And the guy looked at me, and he goes, I'm going to tell you something, man. You see that look you got going on? You're going to hook up with every girl. You're going to do amazing. But nobody's going to take you serious. Because what's going to happen is the guys who are above are going to see you as a threat. And nobody's going to push you up. So if I were you, I'd wear a suit and tie and whatever. And I almost looked at this guy and go, are you fucking crazy, bro? I haven't eaten bread in five, uh, like five <laughs> months, dude. I'm starving right now. Uh, this, like, uh, uh, but I was destroying it with everybody. And, I, and the club hadn't opened yet. So I, look, at, look how lucky this is. I land at a club called Hide in the Bellagio, which sat in the fountains of the Bellagio. The 50-yard wow. line, I think, was my club now, right? So I sat there and I listened to what he said. I go, you know what? I'm going to do what this guy said. I had my boy send me. Uh, he goes, dude, I want to give you a birthday gift. He got me. I went to like this Persian place there and like off the Mall of the Americas type place over there. And I got this super fitted suit. And since I weighed like probably like 175 at the time, whatever, I tailored it and I got a Tom Ford tie. Oof. Okay. But it was like a $50 suit. I got two of them, black and white shirt. And I got these shoes, and I put a goal that I would work every single day. I would show up to hide every single day. Positive momentum took me to a year and a half. I couldn't stop. I would cry in the Bellagio floor. I'd be crying because I go, God, finally I found something I'm good at. Because I had failed at everything else. I had failed at baseball. I had failed as a student, even though I got my bullshit degree because I cheated. I had failed as a I had failed as an actor miserably in Hollywood. I just kept trying and trying. And when I hit in Vegas, I was so successful. And I was so good because I took my Cuban thing that I had and I was like, you know how Cubans how we are? They were like, oh, you know, they when you say bye to a guest, you walk them outside, whatever. I would do that to Bellagio. And I owned the Bellagio. And I owned everything. And I had, and this is what I tell people, which is crazy. You're talking about a kid that went to Braddock that took the public school bus, literally sat there outside. I didn't have a TV in my room growing up. I didn't have a Nintendo. I had nothing. Fast forward, it's 2011, 2012. 
I have the highest theoretical player in Las Vegas. Theoretical play in Vegas is Vegas doesn't care if you're Elon Musk. They care what you play. So theoretical play is if you multiply and or how if long you're on the table too. Right? How long you're yeah. at the table plus wow. how high the hand is. So it's like an it's equation. A, it's it's an, an equation. Yeah, it's called theoretical yeah. play. So they analyze that and they rate you on that. Yeah. Wow. So I have the highest theoretical player in Las Vegas at the time. When you uh, mean you, that's your my your guy. guy. Your guy, my that guy comes in and he comes see you to see me. Gotcha. Now he has a casino guy, but he comes to see me because I set him up the first time because I'm hustling gotcha. because I didn't know who he was and I took care of him. I'm like, oh, you need girls, boom, you need this, boom, 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 boom. And now the guy's my guy. I had the highest theoretical player in Vegas at the time. The guy plays roulette, the ones that the, the spins mm -hmm. and the thing. Yeah, averaging three hundred and thirty thousand a spin. Pinta, bro. Hey, wow. 330,000 a spin. So when you sit with a dude that does that, this is how they do it. Ready? They're there going. When that thing hits, and it hit a lot because he spreads <laughs> it out everywhere, right? Yeah. And he makes uh, $2 million, and there's chips of 10 to that. He literally grabs it and gives it to you. And I come, and I put it right here, and that's mine. Like a tip? Like a tip. But what... But you're not even the... But I'm the guy. Everything is luck. It's wow, bro. That's why That's why Dana White, when he wins, you tip everybody because that's the karma of good luck. Like showing love. That's like showing, showing love. love yeah, because, yeah. coño, this place gave me now $300,000. Coño, I got to give this guy 100 that guy 100 that guy 100 that guy 100 And that's why Vegas is the best at the time. It's changed a little bit, but that's the best. And I learned there the power of tipping and taking care of people because when I grew up, I would go out. Again, I, I got to kill my dad, unfortunately. Without, without. No, 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 watch this. We would eat out one time a year. It's always like a red on bird road for some <laughs> fucking reason, right? We'd go there, sit there, and we were like, I wouldn't even let my mom order coffee or anything because it was, it was like this. And I don't think he was crushing it on the tipping, right? So that's what I learned. So I was like, whatever. Once I got there and I go, you know what? I'm going to try this. I'll never forget. One time I tipped a guy, um, the hotel or whatever, I gave him 100 bucks. And that day, a dude at nighttime, a dude from Kentucky, won, one of my guys, won $1.2 million in blackjack. And he tipped me 40 Gs. Yeah. One night. And one night, bro. And I used to have, I used to have a drawer with filled with chips like that. And then you had to take a guy that I didn't know how to dress, I didn't do anything, and then my boy is the guy at Tom Ford. Wow. Boy, Nick was a beast, bro. So he's dressing me up. So I went from that to Tom Ford suits, to this, to that, to everything I've ever wanted, bro. And I sat there after four years, and I and I asked, I go to God, I go, what now? I go, I have everything I've ever wanted, private planes, a vacationing in Mykonos, Montenegro. I'm in Greece. I'm in Ibiza. I'm in this and that because I'm in the club world. People bringing me yep, out because yeah. I'm the cool guy. I'm this. I'm that. I'm I'm everywhere, man. I became the most powerful guy in Las Vegas that didn't own a nightclub. Wow. Because hides in the Bellagio, so I knew everybody, bro. And did you ever move out of it? You or you lived in there the entire time? The four years I was you there. Literally, would just go. Whoop. I was just there, and then I would go to go to the thing, and I had my thing and whatever. And I talked to God, and I go, and I felt like God talked to me, and He goes. I go, he goes, bro, the legend's not going to die in a Las Vegas nightclub. Like, wow. like, like that. And there was a girl who was the assistant to the, the GM and CEO, I mean, the president of MGM Resorts, Jim Muir. And she goes to me, this Mexican lady. She goes, oye, Juanito, te voy a decir algo a ti. 
you're not going to do this much longer. You're going to work with kids. She told me that. No way, I swear. Man. And I go, I go, Angelica. That's crazy. Tu Angelica. Loco. Her name was Angelica. Wow. I go, Angelica Garcia. I go, Angelica, you don't know what to no, no, no. They I'm going to die here. Like, yo, I'm dying here. Been, Let me get my 60, 70, 80 G's yeah. at night. I've been waiting for nowhere. this my whole life. And all my, dude, I would have lunch with, I would have dinner with, Thanksgiving with John George. These are famous chefs. John George, Julian Serrano, like literally like. Tomahawks every night. Cause, yeah. and, and I would, because the thing is, Vegas is all you take care of people. And I have what everybody wants, which is nightclub. Clan Club yeah, is king. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I I think we take it back to when you were talking about how parents are driving kids and like forcing, forcing, forcing. Do you think if kids just find what they love and obsess over it, it's a positive thing? There's five things. I, I say this. I want to see if you guys agree. Five things that every person needs. Let's talk athletes because we're athletes, right? Five mm -hmm. things. Number one, over talent is passion because you can't teach passion. Right. There's so many people that go, hey, bro, you want to shoot a podcast? I'm like, bro, are you crazy, bro? I'm sleeping. I'm chilling. Why, you want to come? Bro, are you stupid? Right. Yeah. That's number one. You got to have passion. You can't teach passion. You can't teach that. That's why you have to try so many things mm -hmm. football, baseball, whatever. That's why John Jay's the best. I, I, remember, oh I, remember, I remember having a conversation with his dad, with Justo, telling me before I met John, telling me, oh, because I was doing web ball. And he goes to me, listen, because uh, Weber coached me one year, Braddock. He goes to me, listen, you only hold me. I put a, I put a, a foot, I put boxing gloves, football, whatever. The kid went to baseball, and I followed that thing. He didn't, he didn't know. He didn't. So we don't do that anymore because we think we could hack it, you know. So that's number one. Number two, then you gotta have talent, right? So passion, talent. Number three is deal with failure. First thing you talk about, whether you take a commercial flight or you're taking a private plane flight, what do they talk about before they take off? Seatbelt, safety, yeah. failure. Oh, if this thing fails, how come in baseball we don't want to talk failure? No, 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 no. It's like it's like it's like it's like brujeria. No, no, no. Instead of reverse, why don't we teach people that striking out is part of the party? Part of the party. Oh, you're gonna strike. like an example, like with chicks, right? Yeah. I they teach there. They teach us very well. Oh, yeah, to a to a numbers That's what baseball is. It's yeah. a numbers. You take your time, relax, dude. But because oh my god, and uh, so that's number two. Number no, number three is dealing with failure. Number four then becomes the training. Yeah. The training, the training, the training, right? And then number five is lifestyle. Nutrition, sleep, choices, not choices. That's it. If you can do those five and you're in, that's this. You guys sit there and go, okay, so what's the future of this? What is this show called? Is it uh is it uh good vibes? Is feel it good. this? Feel said, good. Yeah. The feel good show, <laughs> is it this, is that? But you're already winning because you have a team already. Oh yeah, I don't have a team. But I'm here alone. I had to. I have yeah. to. Like the story of my life is okay. I gotta learn everything. One thing, because nobody wanted to help me, so I decided to help everybody. Think about that. Nobody wants to help me. Nobody. Okay, perfect. I'll help everybody, and let's see who wins. One of the things that you've done for us, and it's funny because I, I kind of told you this story, but I'm not kidding. When we talked about this one time during COVID, and your video popped up. On when I followed you already. I've been following you for I don't right, know how right. long, but one of your videos popped up and I was like, you know what, man, maybe I should hit him up. And I don't think I ever told you this, Rick, but I said, you know what, I'm gonna hit him up. And bro, I hit you up and I and I and it was true, bro. I had seen all your videos and they were so inspirational. And I saw the video that you cried. I don't even remember in front of who, but I saw you crying and I've already cried like five times on every damn podcast. At I least, cried. Yeah. So I saw that and it, it really resonated with me. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna hit him up. And I did. 
And it's funny because back then I didn't have a podcast. I didn't have anything. I was in the minor leagues, Achilles surgery, like I told you, doing mierda, right? And you go, bro, if you need anything, hit me up. And I wanted to ask you for advice then, but I didn't have the balls, so I didn't, right? And bro, all I did was throw a little bit out there and and you were the one that initiated it. Like, and that's a testament to who you are and exactly what your story has told us today because you haven't stopped doing that. I was I was hearing the the, the podcast with um uh Money Buys Happiness. You told them the same thing. And you pick little things to, that really do, those guys at a point had, were already kind of famous at that point. You know, bigger than me. No, they're bigger, bigger than, me. than you. Yeah. But 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 you 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 saw something that they needed, right? And you said, "Hey, you're new to this city. I'm not like I can help you guys. Whatever you need in this city, I'll take care of you." And bro, you saw their face go because you knew something and you're a vibe guy. I'm going to ask you about that next. Yeah. You go and you see them look at each other like like they like they must have been talking about yeah. that 20 minutes ago. But I'm going to tell you why because the dangers with guys like that and in that situation is so I put myself up against other people in their life, right? So I mm -hmm. rank myself. I go, "Okay. I'm doing good for myself. I married a 10, right? Mm -hmm. I'm faithful to a 10. Mm -hmm. I got married at 38." Which is really lucky for a Miami guy, yeah. right? Because usually you're gonna go down quick, or you or you have a couple divorces, or whatever. I didn't have any of that stuff. I've lived life, yeah. So I don't. There's no party, dude. I sat in Mayweather's ringside because I had my boy with me. F last five fights, I saw Mayweather, Canelo, Mayweather this, Mayweather right here with the big dust, and I'm sitting right here. Wow. How can I lose? How, and then and then the parties at my club after. <laughs> Thinking about that, think about that, man. So I'm sitting there. So I look, I go, okay, so I got a beautiful wife. I'm super happy with her. I'm super this. Now, am I where I want to be? No, but I know where I'm going to go, right? So I go, okay, where's everybody else? How can I help? This guy has a lot of this. Okay, that guy has a lot of that, but this is what I say. This person has that, but then they're struggling with their kid. I can help you there. Boom, boom, boom. Based off everything that I have done at 44 and like i tell people and i tell god i go the more successful you make me watch more things i can do so we gotta do this again no absolutely oh, sure. bro absolutely <laughs> absolutely absolutely man and I, we're gonna chop it up because i we we got yeah. a lot to learn bro no but you guys are doing it you guys are doing it let's get out of here so let's it'll go, kick us out go, i'm so gonna edit this you want to give an exit an exit say something go for it uh man first of all coach thank you so much man this was an absolute blessing you've changed our life man you've taught us things that in a week that we wouldn't have even imagined two weeks ago so man god bless you thank you we wish you all the success and we appreciate just being a part of your team man and being somebody that we can lean on for help 1000 percent. they're gonna get us out of here they're gonna hit us with an, with, with an extra rate for being alive. let's do it even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.